Hello, Edgard. Hi, Gregoire. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, trying to breathe. <laughs> so that people know Canada is burning and New York City is covered in smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the context in which we are recording this exactly. introduction. <laughs> well, and in this very joyful context, <laughs> what theme are we going to talk about after this introduction, Edgar? Well, we're talking about death anxiety. Wonderful! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're talking about death anxiety and we have a guest that returns to our podcast. Yes, she's not here for the introduction, but we had the pleasure to work once again with Daniel Blair Neff, who by the way, suggested the theme. And it was months ago. So we had no idea... That Canada that would, would <laughs> point to yeah. be burning and that we would be covered. Yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, as you might already see on the application you're using to listen to the podcast, this podcast is relatively short. Mm -hmm. And why is that, Edgar? Going directly to the point, because we had a, it was challenging to articulate the podcast. But we sound so good. Of course, because you edit the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's it. But before editing, the three of us, uh, we were trying to articulate the theme of death anxiety, and we were not understanding each other. At least that was my case. I could not understand what what Gregoire was saying made no sense to me. Yeah. Tenille, I think, was a little bit silent or quiet. And yeah. Gregoire was speaking and I had no idea. Yeah. So it was complicated. You were talking too and I was mm -hmm. like, what the hell? What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was difficult. We will actually go back to that specific aspect of mm -hmm. the recording in the third episode on Death Anxiety. Yeah. You heard me correctly. They are going to be three episodes correct on death anxiety mm -hmm. don't worry the first one is short very short as you already noticed <laughs> the other two should be around half an hour of uh, content uh, mm -hmm. excluding the introduction and the ending you will listen to us three discussing that theme as best we can actually much better than we could because i edited the silences i wondered if I should do it, and I, yeah, I decided to do it because um, then it made the listening much too hard. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind when you listen to us, that it was not as fluid as it uh, sounds. Correct. I guess that's it. So if you want to contact us, please do so. You can write to us directly at discussions on psychoanalysis at pm.me Facebook forum, Twitter, iTunes. My name is Grégoire Pierre. And this is Edgar Francisco Danielson. Welcome to Discussions on Psychoanalysis.
So, Daniel, today you wanted to talk to us about death anxiety and its impact on the psychoanalytic dynamic. What did you have in mind? Well, a lot of factors come into play with death anxiety. I've been thinking a lot about it clinically and, you know, just as a person living in the earth, you know, I was approaching middle age and it started to become something that weighed on my mind a lot, just personally and thinking about the fact, okay, I've made it through half of my life. I have another half to go if I'm lucky. And, you know, there was something about that that was really hard to hold, like to just kind of sit with and be with and understand. And it became sort of this pet project of mine to think about it, read about it, wonder about how it was impacting me clinically. So I did a lot of reading recently and uh, kind of went down a rabbit hole with it. Tell us about the rabbit hole a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in analytic training and in all the readings that we did while I was in analytic training, I can't remember anything specifically addressing death anxiety as a real thing, like as an actual thing that you would deal with in a session. It was kind of diverted to think about, oh yes, annihilation anxiety, like, you know, if you were going to be, become invisible or disappear in some way. And it was very symbolic or metaphorical. You know, it might be represented as abandonment. The actual fear of death and the anxiety that that provokes, like about the fact that someday your life will end, like that was never discussed. And I think even Freud never really discussed it directly. So I didn't really know how that was impacting me, but I didn't know how it was impacting my clients either. And when it came up, I wasn't always sure what to do with it. As I hear you, this is one of the moments in our training when we realize that we're focused so much on the fantasy. What is the fantasy behind the patient's words and dreams and Uh, what is the conflict, so on and so forth, that we sometimes we've put in the back seat some realistic experiences like, you know, when the patient loses someone or when the patient begins to go through a crisis, middle-aged crisis, you know, uh, what does that entail? And we forget that we're talking about reality of death as much as we're talking about the fantasies behind that. Yeah, and... You know, it's that whole, like, a cigar is just a cigar. Like, in a way, death, anxiety, or dying is a real thing we all face. But talking about it symbolically sometimes actually takes us away from accepting the reality that we will all die. Mm -hmm. At least, I think, for some people, it's important to kind of sit with that reality and then also to sit with it with someone else in an analytic situation. That can be really powerful. Did you have uh, patients who brought that up? You know, not directly necessarily, although ironically, after I did all this reading and thinking about it, I hear it a lot more in sessions where I missed it for years because it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something I really thought about in depth. I think I missed a lot of opportunities to address it with clients. I think I had to address it with myself first, and then it kind of freed the analytic situation for me to be more present in it with clients around this issue. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that indeed we do tend to not address that topic. We, as you pointed out, indeed we do tend to look at it from, uh, at least in the psychoanalytic training, from the angle of uh, sublimation, symbolic, etc. And certainly the question of climate change and the recent uh, war between uh, 
Ukraine and Russia and uh, the, the fear of uh, nuclear catastrophe. The finitude nature of life comes back. And how do we address it without being depressed or something like that? Maybe that's one of the issue. I'm, I'm thinking out loud. One of the things that was helpful to me when I was really researching this was kind of an existentialist perspective, like a non-religious existentialist perspective on this issue, like how to help people with their anxiety, but by focusing on the meaning of the life that you live now in anticipation of death. In some ways, the anticipation of death or the understanding that we die give some power to the life force while we're on Earth. Mm -hmm. I don't want to fall into the kumbaya kind of thinking, but <laughs> it does give a meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is, I mean it, is, it is a very anxiety-provoking topic. To say that we're going to die? Not just to say, but to realize it. Yeah, we say it, but we don't realize it. Good point. We say, we, oh, yeah, we're all going to die. And you're just like, oh, yeah, uh, give me the salt, please. <laughs> you know, like, uh, so what? <laughs> we don't really care. <laughs> But the idea that, yeah, our life is going to be over eventually, that there's no alternative. That's a good way of looking at this. You know, you go through life and then one moment life interrupts you. But I think it's reality what interrupts us. It erupts unexpectedly and reminds us that in the end, the reality principle will win, you know. <laughs> reality wins. Yeah. In my experience with patients, it is something that I can bring up. Sometimes I feel like actually the idea that you're going to die and that it's going to be over indeed includes life in something. There is an apathy in the conception of a never-ending life. Mm -hmm. We all know that we are going to not live forever. But when we stay in this fantasy, we do not tend to care for ourselves and for others and for our environment the same way. And I do believe that a lot of the social issues that we have are related to those are my thoughts or my fantasies, to the fact that too many people among the elite or people who are elite in terms of those who have been granted power in our society, not that they necessarily deserve it, that's a different question, they do not integrate their own death. For instance, I would doubt that billionaires, people who accumulated more than a billion dollars, more than a thousand millions, okay? I would doubt that those people have a healthy connection, as much as healthy can, it can be, to their own death. And I do feel that in our work, sometimes to bring up the fact that it's going to end and what do we do about it can tend to help our patient to not be as... I would say, dispersed, waste their energy everywhere, because why not? Because it's not just our own death. It's the death of everything. It's the fact that everything will die. Everything can be hurt. It's the death. Know yourself. Know thyself. Uh -huh. Know thyself. Well, no, that's, that's more self, Shakespeare yeah. that, well, okay. No, whatever. no, no, it's <laughs> not. Okay, okay. <laughs> Come from the Greeks, man. Of course it does. <laughs> 
And that in this idea of know yourself is this idea of separation between who you are and knowing who you are. And in this separation lands psychoanalysis, I believe. Uh, I mean, eventually, I mean, you know, a million years after. This idea that there's a separation between who you are and how you know yourself, that's the idea of you have to take care of yourself, that you have a limitation. You know, it's not that I am what I am of the, the godlike thing. And I do believe that too many people are stuck with the idea of I am what I am instead of know thyself. And, and there's something about a lack of denial in knowing thyself that exists in the analytic process that is part and parcel for sitting with the idea of your own death. And when we say that we didn't see anything on text anxiety during our training, I'm wondering, is it because of that? I cannot but go back to, I think the anxiety that some of us might experience is that every time someone close to us dies, it's a reminder that mm -hmm. we might be next. So it comes back to, at least for some of us, to I am going to die. Through my life, I have been able to work through the death of so many. But this idea that I will be one in the list can be disturbing at some point. And so to go back to Tinil's question, how do we think it impacts how we work with our patients? Maybe what is it that maybe this death anxiety preclude? And maybe how does it show up in our work? I've been thinking a lot about this around the idea of termination, like of treatment itself. Mm -hmm. And that there's a lot of attachment that happens in an analytic treatment that is part of the treatment itself. And we all kind of recognize that someday that treatment will end and that attachment will move on, right? Or it will leave a lasting impact, but the relationship itself will change and no longer be. And I think there's such a nugget of death in that, that it's very easy to be in a treatment with someone and both parties not know how to process the end of a treatment. Like, mm -hmm. I find it's hard for me to initiate an, an end to treatment. Although, you know, look, I'm kind of of the philosophy that we go until you f feel you've gotten what you needed, you know. But also, I think that also might be a way to deny the end of something. And, and, and I think a patient also can get in that place, too, where, you know, we kind of just avoid that there might be and there's supposed to be, I'm putting quotation air quotes, an end. When we move to this question of termination, don't we also evade the fact that it is very different to terminate with a patient or for a patient to terminate with an analyst and an analyst to die or a patient to die during treatment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. Because termination, at least, even if it's difficult to separate, can still hold on to the fantasy that, well, you never know, you might contact this person again. It's a different story when you die. I mean, I did you guys... Consider, did you guys think about what, what about your patient if you die, I don't know, in a car accident or yes. something brutal? Do, do you have, do, is there someone who could contact them? Like I want to say something else, but let me address what you're asking right now. We're supposed, you know, to have a professional will in which we ask another colleague to contact our 
patients in case uh, something happens to us. I did that, but my list of patients have changed, and so I need to put a new list of patients. And you, you see that there is always this, I will do it later. I'm trying to remember if any of my patients came to me because their analyst or therapist had died. I don't recall that it has been the case. Yeah, there have been some disruptions, analyst, patient, and there was a you know termination, and the patient chose to work with me. But this idea of, or this situation where a patient has a, an analyst who dies, that I, I have not experienced that in my, in my caseload. It does come up a lot, though, in terms of, I've had many clients over the years, like, have a fear that I would die. You know, and, and one of the fantasies that comes to mind, like, I'm very rarely ever late, but, you know, we all are every now and mm-hmm. then. It happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over the years, like, I'm always surprised by the reaction sometimes, like, I've had several people, if I was running a few minutes late, have a, a fantasy that maybe I died and then, f- you know, worry, like, how will I know that you are dead? Like, mm-hmm. will I find out on the news? There's like a fear of that uh, that I've heard many times over the years. And that's what I would like to address for a moment, because someone from a certain theoretical frame would say that the, what the patient is doing is being aggressive. Yeah. That the patient wants the death of the... Of the How dare you <laughs> being late? Uh, the death of <laughs> the analyst. I trusted analyst. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, perha- you know, perhaps in some cases that's, that's mm-hmm. the situation at hand. But I wonder if we go immediately there to this patient wishes the death of the analyst, and that is a derivative of the uh, aggr- of aggression, Instead of thinking the possibility, you know, the patient might be anxious that you died. That you, <laughs> you know, I want to hear what do you think about that? You know. Well, you have ambivalence. doesn't have to be one or the other, but maybe the two. Oh, yeah, okay. The two and maybe more. But wha- mm-hmm. why exactly? Why the patient thinks of death instead of thinking of something yeah, else? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's a, it's a harsh punishment for being late. <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> I would just mention that on the side. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's also, of course, the idea of aggression, but also the, uh, the attachment is expressed mm-hmm. there. Like, I need you so much, and I was afraid. And, but I think we can't understand uh, human psyche if we don't hold those, at least those two things together, mm-hmm. that with attachment come aggression. Mm-hmm. Because the object is going to be required to a certain standard, etc. Yeah. yeah. But I want to say in your example, Tenil, there are two. Uh, what I hear as two things is there's a fantasy of death, mm-hmm. but then there's a real there's a question of what about you really die? Mm-hmm. How will I learn? And you see, to me, in this question, it's really, I mean, as much as it can be, about the real death. Yeah. And then I think it's an interesting question. Do you? have a sense of how your patient might learn if you were to die in wherever, car accident. I'm going to stick with that example. (laughs) Well, you know, I do actually try to address the reality, you know, and give them, okay, if something bad were to happen to me, somebody would contact you. I have a plan in place. You know, even though Edgar is right, like, I don't always keep that thing as updated as I should. (laughs) That's also my anxiety, death anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe just reality, too, of busy life. But 
yeah, there is a procedure, and so I will tell them that. And also, I think we do need to explore the fantasy, but I think we can't just explore the fantasy, but also the reality of my actual death, or, you know, that life is fragile and something could happen to anyone. That you're human. You're human. Yeah. And we don't want to live with that reality at all times, but when it comes up, like in the treatment moment, like it did in that one, for mm -hmm. instance, addressing both might be important. But I do have something I do say to people, you know, I do tell them that, yes, I have someone who would contact you, a professional that would reach out and inform you. And, and you see, I think it goes back to, in some ways, to what I was uh, saying earlier, to when we are able to bring up the reality of our future death, our possible death in the near future, it's humbling. I do feel that when I had to bring that up with some of my patients, it creates a very different mood in the session. Bring what? That you are going to die? What if I... I mean, how will a patient know? And that is a moment where indeed I believe decency, or maybe decency is not the right word, but some kind of ethic requires us to put down theory and engage with our patient in some way, in that sense, in a relational way. Because you can't, in those moments, I believe, you can't just interpret. You can't just say it with a fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's a reality. And so you have to address it just as you have to address the fees, it's just you have to address when you miss session, vacation, etc. Mm -hmm. Like what will happen? And it's humbling in the sense that when we are psychoanalysts, we are idealized. And so for us to talk about that topic directly, genuinely, I think it's a good thing for us in the way we position ourselves. You mean like it's a, in some ways a challenge to the idealization? In us, a way for us to hold both the idealization of the patient and the fact that it's a fantasy. So when we can put the fantasy aside a little bit and talk about the reality. Instead of talking about death, that seems to be the final destination. Not seems, it is the final destination, but... Uh, you never know, <laughs> maybe there's a heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not. <laughs> maybe the death anxiety we're talking about shows up in the patient's comments about sometimes, how are you? I had a patient who said, if you were not okay, would you tell me? Because this social, polite way of saying, hi, how are you? And we answered, well, I'm fine, thank you. And a patient once interrupted me and said, if, and if you were not okay, would you tell me? And it made me think, is that connected to uh, the anxiety about death? Is that connected to idealization, to grandiosity? I think the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. You know, even in those uh, micro moments when we are having a social exchange, as simple as how are you? How do we respond to that? Certainly, if we have an analysis <laughs> we see someone three times a week or more, those exchanges usually don't happen, at least in my experience. They don't happen. The patient comes in, dies down on the couch, and goes on with whatever they have to say.
Whoa, that was quite an abrupt ending. It's not Edgar's fault. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we had to stop recording after that. And it seemed at the moment we recorded it, it seemed like a good way to end. It might not have been. You can let us know. Yeah. We do hope it wasn't too difficult for you to listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. And that you will join us for the two next podcasts. We'll continue the theme of death anxiety. Send us your thoughts. We won't be able to include them during the main discussion, but we would certainly be able to include them during uh, the introduction or the ending of those uh, next two podcasts. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for listening to us. See you next month. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.